Well, praise the Lord. What a, I'm just so honored to have all these pastors here and preachers. And I don't even know if everybody's here that signed up, but it's just thrilling. Not yet, Diana said, but anyway. Now, we're going to, you know, I don't know what I'm going to preach every night. <clears throat> I can tell you what I think I'm going to preach. <clears throat> but uh, thank you. Uh, Brother Hagin said, a prophet is one who has visions and revelations. Now, you can study a subject. This is my opinion. I think it's valid. If you don't agree, that's fine. I think you can study a subject and get, re get some level of revelation from it. You can at least get faith in it. But I personally think a revelation is something that goes further than that. Yeah. It becomes a part of your inner being. Yeah. I have a revelation about angels. Yeah. Not just because I've studied the Bible, but because I've had many visitations. And I may talk about that on a separate night, maybe Friday night, I don't know yet, about the visions I've had. Not all of them, but some of them. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about angels. And how and there are specific angels, let me say it to you this way, we'll get into the word here. There are specific angels assigned to you that know what you need. You're still going to have to release them by your words, but they have specifically been assigned to you. Now, I didn't know that for a long time. You know, I've been studying this subject since 1980. It didn't like I'm a beginner with anything concerning the Bible. But 40 years of study took me a pretty long way. I still don't know everything about this subject. I'm learning more every day. But I knew from a verse over in Timothy, we don't need to go there, where they were having an ordination service, and he talked about God being there and Jesus being there, and the angels were there. And I, I couldn't figure that out. And I said, so, Father, what, give me some revelation. I finally got some reference books, and then he spoke to me, too. He said, Michael, when you were ordained, I assigned certain angels to you for your ministry. So if you're in ministry, you have angels assigned to you. If you're a human being, you have angels assigned to you, too. I'm not, you're not, nobody's left out. Yeah. But I just wanted to talk to you tonight about some things. So let's look at Psalm 91. Did I ask you to turn there? All right, Psalm 91, look over here with me, verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to read a few more verses here. And I'm going to read you something Brother Hagin said in a minute. Brother Hagin said this, and I'm repeating this, a prophet is one who has visions and revelations. Uh, you know, I didn't know that when I started in the ministry. I didn't know that for over 20 years. And I got around Dad Dufresne, I began to see a little glimmer of something there, and read Brother Hagin's book on the prophet, and uh, really that further discouraged me. <laughs> Brother Hagin's a great author and great writer, and he was a prophet, but he, he made it clear in his book, The Ministry of the Prophet, you're going to be persecuted. Yeah. You're going to get criticized. You're going to get maligned, because prophets are always a little different. We're not weird. We're just different. And so you have to take the persecution that comes from that. And that, that didn't sound enticing to me. But anyway, we went ahead and stepped over there because the Lord finally said it's either that or else. You can't go on pastoring this church and doing what you're doing too. And you know the higher calling's the prophet's ministry. Now, it's not more important than the pastor, but it's a different, unique ministry. And, and in the prophet, he has certain equipment or her that pastors don't have. <laughs> and apostles have certain things in them that some of the others don't have. Anyway, we, I'm not going down that trail with you, but Psalm 91, look at this, verse 1 and 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that's a place to be. 
I think the Amphite says, a place where no foe can withstand you. And what I would call, what I'd say this verse would mean in just common language, you're uptight with God. Not uptight like nervous, you're uptight against him. You're right, you're right with him and he's surrounding you and you're walking in the shadow of his wings and things like that. And because of that, he says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. And just about every day that I live, I say this, I, I say, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress. You're my stronghold, you're my strength, you're my healer, you're my deliverer, and you're my God, and in you will I trust. Now, this psalm, we get a little further into it. Let's go up to verse uh, 10 here a minute. And it says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague, virus, or COVID, or anything else come nigh thy dwelling. Now, if you had it, don't get under condemnation. You know, we're all learning in different stages. How many know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and if I need a doctor, I go to one. I'd be the first to tell you to be smart and do it. If you can't get it divinely, you better go if it's serious enough because we'd have to bury you if you don't get some help. So we're not, we're not, we're just talking to you here. But he says, there shall no evil. This is God's ultimate. And this is in Old Testament. <laughs> you know, I'm a Hebrews 8, 6 guy. What does that say? We have a better covenant with better promises, better everything, better blood, better Messiah, better high priest, better intercessor. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's better in the new covenant. So it would have to include this plus. Okay, but this is pretty good. There shall no evil befall thee. Sickness is called evil back in Deuteronomy. It's, I'm not saying people who are sick are evil, but the evil one brought it. Because God doesn't have any sickness. He'd have to steal it from the devil and then he'd be a thief. Then we're in big trouble if that's the case. Okay. Says for he shall, or we can say because verse eleven, because he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. Now they're only his angels in this context here. He's their creator. Are you listening to me? The angels that work with me are my angels. They're assigned to me. It's taken me almost forty some years to figure this out. When certain angels came and were added to my ministry. And I'll be talking about that all week, probably, maybe some more, okay? But we're just talking about this a minute. So it says, The reason no evil will befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee. When this thing first broke out, I called all the medical people in this church on a personal phone call. I said, If you'd let me teach you for about 10 minutes, I think I've got something to help you. And I found out the angels are winds. I've had a manifest like that. I may tell a story later. Uh, several times in this church where the wind came. People got supernatural things done to them. But I said now this, and I talked to two nurses and a doctor uh, that work in the medical field. And I said, isn't this an airborne disease? I asked them all three, yeah, absolutely. That's how it's passed along, through the air. I said, well, you just remember when you're working around other people or sick people or wherever you go, you got a wind around you to push that back. By the angels. Well, there sits Chester. Chester, raise your hand right there in the teal shirt. He was over here sitting, I don't know, several months ago, and I was talking about angels. They're a fire and a wind out of Hebrews 1 7. And he said, All of a sudden, I was standing there, Dr. Jacobs. He's had some severe back problems when he came to this church. He had a walker and different things. Is that right? And Lord's used us to help minister to him several times. But he was over there, he's having some pain in his back. He was wearing a shirt outside, not tucked in. And the wind blew it in the back. 
he felt this wind go around him. Then his back got really hot. And I was teaching something from the front about angels. And he came up and told me that later and said, after that happened, all the symptoms left my back. You might get a little hurricane where you're at tonight or something. And it's not a dust devil either. It's a Holy Ghost thing. All right, I just thought, since she's really a comedy routine. It got on me. Oh, help me, Jesus. Get me back to my serious mode. And the reason that things aren't going to get on us is for he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. I looked that word up, keep today, in the Hebrew is an amazing word. The hedge in as with thorns and to guard and to protect. Thorns going out from you. In other words, you're in the middle of that, but you're protected by these uh, bushes and stuff that got thorns going out so nobody can get to you. That's what that meant in the Hebrew. See, to keep you in all your ways... They shall bear thee up, that's the angels, in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Hallelujah. So we're learning something here about these angels, what they do. This is so much in there. We're going to just bounce around a little bit, though. So let's go over to Mark chapter 16. And I'm not going to preach real long, but I'm not going to try to just give you some watered down anything either. I mean, this is camp meeting. This is one of our camp, Word and Spirit meeting. I call it Word. We preach the Word, but the Spirit is free to move. I mean, he could tell me the next five minutes, quit talking and just start ministering. I'd be glad to do that too. He knows that. But I wanted to read you something that Brother Hagen uh, said about angels. This is a prophecy from Kenneth E. Hagen. He's in heaven now from 19, let me see if I got that right. 1988. That's for way back, isn't it? It's a long prophecy, but I'll cut to the chase here. He's talking about people that will just stay doing what they do and never change. And how God will move on with people that will move with him. I said it this way, I think at Pastor Mark's church, he just got his doctorate Sunday. I went up and bestowed it on him. And I said, most people when they get 50, they don't ever change. They just go to their grave like they are. You know, they're not going to put on my tombstone wouldn't change. You better know it. I'm, to- I'm totally challenged myself. I don't even need you to help me. If you want, to, if you, want you can, but I'm already out there. I dare not tell you everything I'm believing for. You choke you. Some of you. But people get older and they feel like, well, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to have the same job all my life, do the same thing all my life, make the same amount of money. You might as well just go on home. What's the purpose? Your life should be exciting, should be thrilling, should be full of joy and energy. Hallelujah. I'm preaching real good here. But he said that people will go on with their plans and purposes and pursuits, the church world as it is. They don't care about the Holy Ghost. They don't care about the gifts. They don't care about angels or devils. (laughs) They don't know nothing about it. I'm going to tell you a story in a minute. But anyway, he says uh, that there will arise an army. He says that four times. And this is the beginning of those days, the beginning of the last days, uh, that will, people will walk in the Spirit, men and women, equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll learn to walk in the Spirit. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. Listen. The angels will come and minister unto them, and the angels will come and minister with them. See, I didn't figure all this out in the beginning. I started having some inklings uh, probably in the... 80s, that angels were working with me in my ministry, but I didn't know how to locate that fully. 
but now I can. I got a lot of angels work with, and most of the angels work with me. Not every single one of them, but most of them are in the healing ministry with me. And some of them have specific things they do, and they only do that one thing. Others do a multitude of things. I got two angels, they restore and repair people's bodies. And they didn't put a limitation on it when they talked to me about it. Hallelujah. You got one angel shows up, he's got a, they have hands and feet and eyes, you know. I wouldn't say they're human. Thank God they're not human. I've never had an angel talk back to me. I've had plenty of humans <laughs> rebuke me, talk back to me. They never said, I'm not going to do that. Oh, they just do what they're told. <laughs> I was saying something there. What was I saying? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, a lot of them are healing angels, and they work with me in my healing ministry. And then I have a, a couple angels that defend me, one particular one in the prophet's office. I may tell about that in a vision maybe Friday. We'll see how the Lord leads me. I got a book back there, but not everything that I know now is in that book. And I don't know that I'll publish it all either, but we'll just see here. Are you listening to me? Yes. All right, we're over here. Let's see where we're at. We're over in Mark 16, verse 20. I wanted you to, you ought to think about this verse, all of you preachers, every time you preach, you don't have to read it, but you should read it personally before you come to the pulpit. Verse 20, and they went forth, this is the disciples, and preached everywhere, including New Albany, Indiana, in uh, October the 13th, the Lord working with Dr. Jacobs and confirming the word he preached with signs following. Whatever you preach on is what God confirms. You preach on families, family gets stronger. You preach on couples, couples get stronger. Teach them how to raise their kids, their kids get raised better. Teach them how to use their money wisely, that expands. And on and on. But you teach on angels, they always show up. And it's not that you see them. I don't know if you do or not. You'd have to either have discerning of spirits or a vision or a dream. That's the only three areas that you would see into that other realm. And you could see into that realm occasionally in your lifetime, maybe have one experience. I didn't ask for any of them. I'm still not asking for any. Because that just means I'm more responsible if I have things like that that come to me. See, I don't think the body of Christ understands what I'm saying yet to I'm talking about it again. And you know, when I turned 60, the Lord said, I want you to start telling about some of the visions you've had. I said, I'd rather not. You realize they persecuted me out the wazoo just for my stand on the word. Yeah. Most of the people in every church I pastored tried to persecute me over that. Yeah. Well, you're just too strong. You're just too radical. No, I'm just right. Yeah. And I'm pushing myself to get there. Whether you want to come with me or not, that's your call. But I'm going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And not being a smart aleck either. I'm just trying to talk to you. But we're preaching on angels. So, listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing. You may have heard me preach this 50 times, a few of you, but you may have only heard me really one or two times. Or you got a bit of that and you missed a lot of that. And So I'm going back over these things again. Brother Hagin made this comment. Angelic ministry would become more dominant if we would get in the Word and wait upon the Lord more. It's two things, not just get in the Word, that's part, but you got to learn to wait on God. And I would add this to his comment to meditate on some things. And learn to get quiet before God. This is the most distracted generation I've ever seen. Of course, I've only been alive 71 years. But people are so distracted. Just, I mean, it's almost insanity's distracted, my, my thinking. All right. 
So anyway, we're teaching on this. Now, we've had a lot of issues with uh, angels where they came. Like Mike Rabel sitting right over here. I was with him. We went down to Pastor Maria Rancun's church in Manzanillo, Mexico. And I was teaching. I had a word about hearts, you know, physical pumps. And I said, if you have a bad heart or something wrong with your heart, get up here. About eight people came. I started to my left, and I laid a hand on the guy's head. And when I laid it, my hand on his head, this angel came around my side. He stuck his hand like up to there in that chest of that man. He started doing this. That's what it looked like to me with the spiritual. And what he was doing was fixing that heart. It looked like in the natural he was opening a safe, but I knew he was fixing. And this is interesting. When I took my hand off his, off his head, that angel pulled his arm out, which I'd already proven some other experiences. That's what they do. See, I don't know if you realize or not, the angels are more dependent on your response to them and your words about them and your faith in them than you've ever dreamed. So the next one was a lady. I laid hands on her head. I said, Father, give her a new heart or help her, whatever. And this same angel came, put his hand up in her chest and was doing this. And every one of those eight people he did that with. When I was done praying, he vanished. He was just there to fix their heart. And when I got done, this lady ran up to me. Did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? She was almost skipping syllables. (laughs) And I played it real cool. That's what I do sometimes when people tell me that. I said, did you see an angel put his hand in your chest? She said, yeah. I said, yeah, I saw him. What happened when you took it out? All my symptoms were gone. I said, yeah, he was fixing you, <laughs> fixing your heart. He's, you know, kind of a heart surgeon, you might call him. We've had him do a lot of different things. Then one time in my life, talking about different things about angels and healing for a minute here, and I'm going to get more into the word with you. Would that be okay? But uh, I had, I had uh, hepatitis. What one was it? The bad one, Joe? C. C. I had hepatitis C from shooting dope as a drug addict. And after I got saved in December of 71, I ended up in the hospital in May of 72. I had some messed up stuff inside me. They had to cut me open and fix me. And the three doctors came into my room before the surgery and they said, uh, Mr. Jacobs, uh, what kind of treatment did you take for the hepatitis C? I said, are you telling me I have it? Are you telling me I had it? They said, you had it, but it stopped abruptly. It did one half of 1% damage to your liver and just stopped like that. The enzymes and the blood work and all that's revealed to us through your body. I said, well, I got saved. You got saved? (laughs) Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. And then they said, well, have you ever done drugs? I said, yeah, I was a drug addict for three years, shooting dope in my arm. Just quit last December. I said, my God, we never heard anything like that. We don't know nothing about saved either. <laughs> Are you listening to me? So anyway, fast forward, that was in 1972. And I, God just healed me. I didn't even ask him to be healed. I didn't even know he would heal, really, back in that day. I was just so ignorant. You know, you're all, we're all ignorant when we start. And all of a sudden, in the year 2000, I went to my doctor in Louisville. At the time, I don't go to him anymore. He's an internist. He knows all about your insides. And he took some blood out of me one day and called me at home. That was real odd. Doctors don't make house calls a lot. And he called and said, Michael, your blood is all messed up. He sounded concerned. I said, well, just shoot, shoot it straight to me. He said, I would if I could, but I don't know what to call it. But you're in trouble. You're in some big trouble. It was Thursday. 
He said, I want you to come in tomorrow and give me some blood. I said, I can't do that. I'm already scheduled to be out of town. I'll come in, I'll come in next Tuesday. Put your secretary on the line when we're done talking. I'll make an appointment right now before I hang the phone up. You better come in because I need to check your blood again. Something's really matter. <laughs> I got to this meeting with Dr. Dufresne. I don't know if any of you were with me that time. Anybody with me that meeting? I don't think you were. Uh, and I was sitting about 15 rows back, and he came up. And Dad would do this sometimes. I feel a little bit like that tonight. I don't know where to get going in. But uh, he stopped and he froze. Like he was in a trance. And then he went, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? And I said, back here, sir. Stand out in that aisle. The Lord shows me there's something wrong with your body. Is that right? I went, yes, sir. There's an angel standing behind you. He's come to fix that. About that time, that angel hit me in the head, and down I went. And I went back to the doctor next to... Now, see, here's the thing that's interesting about this. I didn't tell Dr. Dufresne I was in trouble. I didn't have a chance to call him. I didn't have a chance to get a note to him. I thought maybe during that meeting, I would write a little note to the usher if I didn't get close to him. You know what I mean? I'm not fighting for attention. People are so petty. But anyway, write and say, would you please pray for me this meeting at some point at your leisure because something's wrong with my blood. Yeah. And of course, in the interim period, the devil attacked me. He said, you're, you're going to die over this. It's like Joe sitting back here. He had the same thing I had. And not too long back, and they told him, we're going to give you some chemo, equivalent to chemo, and you're, you're in big trouble. And, you know, I prayed for him, and he agreed, and Liz agreed, and he got healed. Sitting right back here. And the guy sent a letter to him. Yeah. I got the letter. Wow. Said, you're clean. Yeah. That means the blood got took care of. Yeah. Whatever was in the blood got took care of. Yeah. yeah. He will cleanse their blood that was not cleansed. Joel 3, verse 16. It's an interesting verse. Where am I at here? I'm losing sight of some things. Let's see. All right. Yeah, I'm still back at Mark. Well, I'm not going too fast tonight, am I? <laughs> okay. Am I okay? Let's go to Colossians over here a minute. Colossians 1, and I wanted to tell a story about my granddaughter. She's not here tonight, but maybe she'll be here one of these other nights. Her name's Natalie. She, at the time she called us, me and Diana at home, she calls me Pawpaw. I don't know, that was two years ago maybe. She called and Diana answered the phone. Said, this is Natalie, I want to talk to Pawpaw. Said, this is Natalie, this is my granddaughter. She's two years younger than she'd have been what then? Five or six, maybe when that happened. She was in a preschool at a Lutheran church. No, no offense to Lutherans, but anyway. No, this looks great. You know, they're just little kids learning stuff. And she said, uh, she said, uh, Papa, Mommy tells me that you see angels. Is that right? Yes, honey. Well, I want you to show me how to do that. I said, well, honey, I'm not God. I'm just your grandpa. I am a man of God. But I don't have the authority to give you that permission. You could talk to him about it. And if he sees fit to let you see, then he will. But you can't guarantee that. And then, she, and then I, it, it was really sweet because she's kind of a talker. But when she asked her questions, she got real silent and listened to everything I had to say. And then she asked another question. Then she asked another question. And I answered her the best of my ability. She said, Mommy said you got a book on it. I do. Can I have one? Well, sure you can. And, huh? and she couldn't even read back then. Mommy's going to read it to her. But next time she saw me, where's my book? I said, oh, get in the car. Let's go get one. I, I, I haven't got an extra one wherever we were at. <laughs> Eating lunch, and we came up to church and got one. 
So I finally asked her, honey, why is the interest in these angels for you? This is precious. Well, I just wanted to learn how to pray for Bella and Avery and all my little friends at Church on the Rock. I said, well, honey, you don't have to see an angel do that. Let me, let me give you a little way you can do it. Just say, Father, and she was repeating it. Father, we release the angels over Avery and Bella today to keep them safe. Amen. That's all you have to say, or in Jesus' name. And that's not too hard, is it? Nope. So she went to school, <laughs> Lutheran preschool. <laughs> and I don't know if it was show and tell or what, but she raised her hand and said, my pawpaw sees angels. <laughs> and they call him the, an the angel man. So I said to little precious Natalie, what did your teacher say? And she thought a minute, nothing. <laughs> I guess that was too theological for that teacher, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you start believing in the ministry of angels, you'll start having more manifestations of their ministry. And you could just say to me, well, I, I have been believing. Well, have you? I didn't say if you've heard me preach about it. I said if you start believing in the ministry of angels, you'll start having more manifestations of their ministry. You will start having more manifestations. People always ask me, how did you get a lot of angels with you? I said, well, first of all, you have to teach it, and you have to know what you're teaching about to make it legitimate. Isn't that right? Yeah. All right. So we're over here in Colossians now, chapter 1, uh, verse 16 here. And really what I'm talking to you about is that unseen world. I'm talking to you about the creatures out there, these beings, and they're not all the same size. They don't all do the same thing. Some of them have more authority than others. You know, there's one angel led a prison cell up one day, but there's one angel in the book of Revelation, and it's not Jesus either, who lit up the whole earth with his power. I'd say he's got some glory on him, yeah. <laughs> that angel. I've never seen him, but it says he's there. He's going to manifest at some point. So uh, let me re read this to you, verse 16. For by him were all things created. You couldn't translate this this way. I do it. I think it's better for us. For by him were all beings created that are in heaven and that are in earth. And then he gives us these three words, visible and invisible. So there are some created beings in this earth listen to me carefully, that are invisible to the natural eye. Again, I'll go over it with you if you don't have discerning of spirits. And discerning of spirits doesn't mean that you just discern devils. I operate in that gift, I don't know. And I do see devils occasionally, but I see a lot more angels. And occasionally I can see into somebody. That's a whole other deal. That happens periodically, not a lot, but some. And then I deal with what I'm seeing. Are you listening to me? <laughs> so, but now, let's, let's, let me read this again. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, you're, you're thinking probably, most people think, well, that sounds like Ephesians 6. It sounds like it, but it doesn't say they're warned against anything here. You don't read that in there. You're, you're going to be, be deceived. And the reason I knew that is I had a friend, he's in heaven now, Andy Silva. He's been here and preached, but he's in heaven now, but he was out in Deming, New Mexico. And we were at a meeting with Dr. Dufresne, and I was in a restaurant having breakfast, 
the hotel, and he came in. Hey, Dr. Jacob's going to sit with you. Yeah, come on over. He sat down. He said, I hear you know a little bit about angels. I said, a little bit. What would you need? Well, I wanted to ask you a question. I'm a mayor of a city, and I got two angels that show up to help me in my mayoral office in that city, but they never show up at church. What do you think about that? I said, well, personally, they're not called to help you with church. They're called to help you in your civil authority. He said, you got chapter and verse for that? I said, nope, but I'm going to get you one. I'll call you in two weeks or, or sooner. Ten days later, I found this verse. I called him up. I want, are you listening to me? I hope you're listening. There are evil spirits that are predominant in some cities too. Now, this is not a slam on California, but Dr. Summerall knew some couples that were going to move to certain parts of California, and they said, I wouldn't do that. You'll tear your family up. The porn is produced there by the billions of dollars, yeah. Yeah. and there's just a slimy group of people. Exactly. Yeah. And the couple didn't listen. Of course, they got divorced. Yeah. I didn't say they were doing porn, but see, there's just all that influence. Yeah. Like somebody said to me one time, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I said, honey, I wouldn't do that. It's too much flesh in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. Young man came to me one time and said, I want to go bodybuild. I said, what do you mean? You just want to go to the gym and get some muscles? No, I want to be standing on a platform. I said, with bikini underwear with oil on you? Is that what you're talking about? They don't laugh at me. This is serious. And I said, are you crazy? Don't do that. There's flesh everywhere in that. And you know what he turned out to be? Yeah. Maybe he was already leaning that way. That just pushed him on in. Yeah. I'm not mad at him. Right. I tried to warn him. Same with the girl. Tried to warn her. Right. You can be pretty without being a model and getting involved with all those people. That... Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Amen. Let me tell you a lot of things. I just, and I, why would it matter to me? That's their life. I'm trying to save them. I'm trying to preserve them. I'm trying to not let them go down burning. You know, that's why I said that to them. And both of them did what they wanted and ended up in a mess. Anyway, praise God. Still love them, but can't help them if they're not here. So we went down through here with Pastor Silva. Remember him, the mayor? And I said, it's called a principality. A principality is a prince over a municipality. In that case, Deming, New Mexico. They had a big budget. I mean, I think it was... I don't remember, maybe Sean would remember. He, I don't even know if he's in here. Was it 40 million or 40 something? Something like that is quite a bit of money for a community. He was over to dev, devastate, de, de, <laughs> distribute money for different. But so I showed this to him. He said, Well, that makes sense. I said, But you got an angel assigned to you. And if you're a pastor, you have angels assigned to the church. Yeah. We talked about that too. I'm not talking about that tonight. I got to move ahead here. A little bit anyway. So Colossians 1 gives us some insight into this unseen but not unreal world. Actually, I would say from my experience from knowing God and some of the visitations, I'm going to tell about one in a minute. The unseen realm is highly regulated. I mean, it's extremely regulated and it, things work in that realm very precisely. And that world I'm talking about is angelic and demonic both, and it's trying to rule and give you substance, all of you as a person, to, to provide security for you, 
to one scripture I found, that they patrol the earth and maintain security over us. You talk about secret service, honey, these people know what they're doing. I'm not talking about secret service, I'm talking about God's secret service. So I'm just sharing my heart. Is that okay? This unseen world is not unreal. It's just unseen to the natural man. But you have to realize it's trying to influence people for good or bad. Certain cities in America are known for murder. Certain cities in America is known for all kinds of sins. And I'm not going to go through all that with you. It's all evil. But where sin prevails, you know. What is it Las Vegas says? What's done here stays here or whatever? Yeah. But it's on film in heaven unless you repent of it. Anyway. All right. Thank you, Father. All right. Let's go over here to Hebrews now. took me a long time to get to Hebrews tonight. I've used about half my preaching time up already. I'll try to condense a few other things and go with you to minister in a minute. Uh, Hebrews 1 13 and 14. Now Hebrews, what I've, I'd say simply, the book of Hebrews is a contrast between what they had under the Old Covenant and what they have under the New. In the first chapter, it's a contest somewhat between comparison between the angels of God, not demons, angels, and Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is superior. He's God. Angels are not God. <laughs> they're not even human. I'm not saying they're robotic, but they're more that than what you think. Yeah. See, I, you know, it's just amazing. They, don't ha- they seemingly don't deal with a lot of emotion. And they've never talked back to me yet. I've had devils talk back to me yeah. out of people. <laughs> and I just tell them, shut up. Come out anyway. Yeah. And then he came out. All right. But to which of the angels, verse 13, said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He didn't say that to the angels. He said that to Jesus. And by saying that to Jesus, he said that to us. He will make our enemies become our footstool if we'll follow him. And especially that second song we sang, I'm seated with him in heavenly places undefeated. You may feel like you've been defeated, but you're not. You got to get your mind renewed to that. It, when it comes to authority, you're going to have to spend some quality time. I can tell you because I know what I'm talking about about dominion. Yeah. You're not going to walk in much dominion at all if you don't think about it yeah. and you don't know some scriptures. Then yeah. it takes time to get that in you. Yeah. I was reading Brother Hagen. Something he said today. You know, he said spiritual life's a lot like the natural. You don't expect a four-year-old to know what a 14-year-old knows, do you? Right. You don't expect a 20-year-old to know what a 50-year-old does. Somebody once said, really, it's just a great a quote. I forget who said that. said, old people are just young people with time on them. <laughs> I feel pretty young Amen. for 71. Amen. Hallelujah. Just getting started good. All right. So uh, let's see here. And then he goes back to verse 14. Pay attention to this. Are they, referring back to the comment, the angels... Can you see what I'm saying? He's given a comparison. Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits? Notice they're all ministering spirits. In the body of Christ, we have the apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, ministry of helps. There'd be a lot of fingers on this hand if I had them all, the ministry. I've got sound people today. We had music people. Somebody's watching the kids. 
uh, we got ushers, we got people in the parking lot, I think, to help and whatever. And just and the food prep people, and you know, we're taking care of all that for the preachers that we invited to come and eat with us because I want to fellowship with them. And they're important to me. And we've tried to do it the other way and go out and get in cars. You know, you got a caravan, 10 cars trying to get to the restaurant. You get there and they sit you and ask the people that are half drunk telling dirty jokes. The world's crazy. I'd rather spend 7000 to feed the preachers right here and they don't have to pay a dime. I just take care of it myself because I got money. I don't have all I want yet, but I've got some money. I don't have all that's going to do me, but it's working. It's talking. Getting a little stronger and get older. I learned this from Dr. Summer. I said, when I was 30, I said the same things I'm saying now. He was 75. He said, but they just started listening to me now. I like that. I'm saying the same things I preached when I was 30, 35 years old, but just got a little time on me now. Are they not all ministering? So what I'm trying to show you is all the angels, these are the elect angels. When I say that, I mean the good angels, not evil angels. It says, are they not all ministering? They all have a ministry. I don't know of a single one of them that's picking a guitar and eating grapes in heaven, just so you know. I think somebody sent my mom a postcard with a little beer-bellied, preschool-looking, fat baby with a big old belly on it and yellow curly hair and a bow and arrow with a rubber dart doing, you know. That's so far removed from angels. That's why I say if you don't have faith and you see an angel in his normal habitat, I've had them change over and seen them as people too, but I won't go there with you. But if you see them in their natural habitat, you're going to have to have faith or huggies. They will scare. They will intimidate. They're not trying to. That's just what they are over in that realm. You remember at the tomb of Jesus, the Sanhedrin, they hated Jesus, the Jewish high priest and all that. They went to the governor or the mayor of the city and said, they're going to come steal his body, sure enough, and then you're going to lose your job and all your perks. He called over to the army and said, put the rangers on it. I want some men that can handle themselves. Don't let anybody touch it. The Bible says the angel came. With his finger, he rolled away the stone. They said it takes six men to roll it in place. The angel wrote it, and those guys shook for fear and fainted. And they were, they were some bad mob of those Jew doogies, you know, bad motor scooters. And they knew how to handle themselves, but not against that kind of level. All right. So they all have ministries. They've been sent forth to minister. You get the feeling they want to minister? Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. I like to read it this way. 2,000 years ago, this was written. They've been sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. Because we're in Christ now. And we're heirs of that. And that, that word minister means to render service to us. You know, 1983, I started studying angels in 1980. 1983, a church asked me to come. I was not attending that church. Uh, well, maybe I had just started attending that church. I don't remember because I left Otisco in 82. But a guy asked me to come preach on angels for a few days. So I took the invitation. I was down in the basement in their radio room praying before the service. They said, I said, you got any place I could pray where it's quiet? We'll put you in the radio room. Here's the keys. It's soundproof in there. You can yell and scream if you want. And I didn't. But anyway, they said, it's a nice place to pray. It's quiet. And I'm down there, and I knelt down by a little chair that was by the desk, and I just knelt down, was worshiping the Lord, and said, Father, help me. Help me minister this effectively. And all of a sudden, boom, 
came out of my body. You know, that's a different kind of feeling to come out of yourself and look back and see yourself, your body. And there was two angels there, and one had this arm, one had the other. You know, because the body without the spirit is dead. So if I don't get some assistance in the flesh, my body's going to fall over on the floor, and they're going to come find me, and I'm going to the morgue. But that's not at all what happened. Those angels kept my body alive, and I went somewhere else. I was in a little closet. I mean, it wasn't very, it is one-third the size, one-tenth the size of that office that Jordan has now. used to be my office. Just a little old room. And all of a sudden, I came to myself, and like you guys are all looking at me, they were all standing up there, hundreds of angels. I, I didn't try to count them. But they all looked eager. They all looked like they weren't wearing marathon clothing, but they just looked like we're ready to go. And the one that I was still on my knees when I came to my senses, and I looked up, and this angel, I'll pretend I'm the angel. He's looking down at me. He said, Michael. He knew my name. I'd never seen him before in my life. Michael. He went like this because all the angels were behind him. He said, we're excited. We're excited you're teaching on us. For we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ, and they won't let us. Then boom, all of a sudden I came out of that room. I missed a split second. I went back into my body, and I'm there with my hands lifted up at that chair. Did you tell anybody about it? You kidding? No. <laughs> I mean, I never had something like that happen to that level fully. Had something happen when I was five. Maybe I'll tell that later. But this was the thing I wanted you to get. We're excited you're teaching about us, the angels, because we've desired, get this, we've desired to be involved with the body of Christ, and they won't let us. It took me four or five months for those last four words hit me. They won't let us. And, I, and this is what I said. I said, oh, my God. I got authority I didn't even know I had. The body of Christ has authority I, they don't even know they have. They, they, they just barely believe their dog will obey them. Really? Now listen, I mean, these are massive creatures yes. capable of doing all kinds of things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And those four words stuck in my mind. And I don't know when I began to talk freely about it. It had been quite a while, I think, after that. Of course, that was all new to me. You have to understand things that are new kind of different for you. And so you have to digest that. And then, I be, then it seems like that, that one vision particularly comes back to me almost every single time I teach on angels, whatever aspect I'm teaching on. You know, in 1995, I taught 15 Wednesday nights in a row right here in this pulpit. And that's what I knew in 95. This is 25 years later. I'm a lot further along. And I didn't even say I taught all that God knew in 95. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't. And I'm sure I'm still not. Because things come to you bit by bit by bit by piece, and you have to think about it. That's why God gave you a mind to think about it. Think of, and talk to God about things that you're interested in. <clears throat> you know, when I turned 60, I don't think I finished my comment. He said, I want you to start talking about some of your visions, Michael, publicly. I said, I'd really rather not do that. And he said, well, it's either that or else with you because you, I'm telling you I want you to do that for me. I said, I'd be glad to do it. I don't want else. Now, he wasn't threatening me like a bully would threaten me, but he's letting me know. And this, then he later said to me, you have things in you that not everybody sees or understands, 
And as you explain it to the church and you teach it to the church and tell, I know you're vulnerable, Michael, to have to let people, because you know, it's like a, it's a holy thing to me. So it's like just a very holy moment. And he said, well, I want you to do that for me. And I said, all right, I'll do it. I'm just about ready to quit teaching. Just a second here. I was, um, I was in Chesapeake, Virginia. I don't know when that was, a few years back. Let, let me say something else about verse 14 before I go there, just to give it a little more insight. Verse 14, the Weymouth translation, he says the angels are a benefit for us, a benefit, a useful aid and help. So the angels are a benefit. You remember Psalm 103 says, forget not all his benefits. It doesn't mention angels right there, but before you get out of the chapter 103, 20 and 21 mentions the angels. So here's what I'm saying. You're doing without a benefit when all the time you had it coming. The only way you qualify for it is by believing in it. You're not good enough to get it. You don't, you don't press God that much to get it. Not putting you down. I'm talking to me too. I, I learned, I don't know when this was a long time ago. You don't want what you earned. You want what he's offering. Get that in your head for everything you do and make your life so simple. Because sometimes I got in trouble with God. And I said, how could he forgive me of that? He said, all you got to do is ask me. I said, yes, sir. I did something and I repented. And then I carried it around with me for three weeks with the mully grubs on me, feeling guilty. And he finally broke in on my prayer life one day. He said, I thought you talked to me about that three weeks ago, Michael. I did. Well, you don't believe it. Get up off your face here and quit crying about it. And trust me that I forgave you and move on with your life. Hey, hallelujah. See? But he says these are a benefit. You, you need all the benefits you can get. That's my point. And we shouldn't forget any of them. Right. Psalm 103 says, you know, first few verses. Here's another translation. The Amphite Bible, verse 14 says, an assistance to us. These angels are an assistance to us in the earth. They're here, the angels that are in the earth, let's do be careful, the angels that are in the earth, that's their assignment. (laughs) You know, Jesus had a personal angel too, because he was birthed here, came through the womb of a woman. That's how you get legal entry here, by the way. But when he went back to heaven, it didn't say the angel went with him. In fact, he sent him, he was still in the earth somewhere, and he said, go over there to John over on the Isle of Patmos and reveal the book of Revelation. He didn't say that, but that's what happened. Go over there and show him things that are coming to pass. Are you listening? Yeah. So the angels are an assistance to us. The angels live in heaven. I don't talk a lot about them. I know they're up there. I know there are certain ones up there. But I don't live there in heaven itself right now. I'm living heaven in me. You know, days of heaven in me, like the Bible says, but I'm not living in heaven, as it were, fully. I'm connected to that other world, and you are too. And that's why I'm talking to you about this, because you have these wonderful beings that can help you. It can help you immensely. Anyway, I was in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I got in a meeting, and the guy said, and I don't know if somebody told him that or not because I just met him. And, I mean, he was up preaching for the luncheon. We got there at the luncheon. My wife and I sat in the back sat in a table where they seated all the preachers. Pastor Luke was in that meeting, Luke Hobbs and his wife. And this pastor that just preached for the luncheon came back to me and he said, hello, 
And I said, hello, I'm Dr. Jacobs. Yeah, I, you know I have problems with my spine. That's the first thing out of his mouth after I said hello. I said, well, I got an anointing for spines and backs. Would it be all right tonight since I'm preaching tonight if I, I'm not going to call you out and pretend it's a word of knowledge because you just told me, but I will come to you and minister to you and get your back healed. Yeah, that'd be great. So I, I, so I came in, he's back where Josh is sitting, somewhere back there, halfway back. He hadn't even got a Bible. He looks miserable. I'm thinking, boy, I'm plowing his field sideways. You know what that means? He didn't believe in the thing I'm saying. Yeah. From the facial expression of him, he looked like he'd rather be anywhere but there. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the story, though. So when I got done, like I'm going to do in just a few minutes, I'm going to quit. I'm watching the timer. I've been preaching 50 minutes. Don't seem like it to me. It just seems like a coon. <laughs> Hope you're not too bored. But So I went back to him and I said, uh, step out here. And I laid hands on his head and I said, there's that anointing for your spine. I stepped back and an angel came around my side like this. Never seen him before either. He stuck his finger down in his body and his abdomen. He started rolling something. And I said, that angel's rolling something down there. He turned around and ran out the back doors of the meeting. I mean, I'm at a Marriott Hotel, seated 100 people. There might have been 50 of us there. And I'm thinking, well, he's really mad now. He just left the meeting, just ran off on me. What had happened is, and he came, and so I just, you know, I don't let people disturb me. I just went on and ministered whatever else I had to the rest of them. And finally, he come back in five minutes, he's going. And I said, Jerry, what in the world happened to you? He said, you probably noticed I didn't look happy. Yeah, I really did notice that. He said, what you didn't know is I had a kidney stone. I've had it for three days. It's been excruciatingly painful. I haven't been able to use the restroom. When you said that angel's rolling something, I could feel it on the inside of me. And I went to the men's room right outside there and passed that stone. And I'm pain-free. That'll straighten your day. Woo. I wish you didn't know angels could roll kidney stones out of you. Pretty precision stuff, I think. Okay, I'm going to tell one or two more. Hallelujah. Seemed like you get up many more. I've just got stories. Some people, I just preached in Illinois. I had a wonderful meeting there. But let me talk to you about the gymnast that's not a gymnast. I was at Pastor Keith's church down in Nashville, and I was staying at a hotel and had a vision there today, saw a car accident. I knew it was a human. I didn't know it was a woman. It was a person. And I saw five things get injured on that person in that accident. You know, I operate in word knowledge. I may have one little part. Like get up here if you have a bad left ankle. Get up here if you have vertebrae problems. Get up here if you have migraine. You know what? And this, I, so I'm teaching in Pastor Keith's church, and I list all five things. And I said, the Lord reminded me about my vision today. Uh, who are you? If that's you. Lady over here raised her hand. I think she was so startled she started to stutter. She went, whoa, 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 whoa. Then she stopped. I'm a visitor here today, and this is the first time I've ever been in this church. I said, well, is what I said about you accurate? Absolutely. Do you want to be healed of those things? Yes. I said, well, come up here then. I'm going to pray for you. And I explained it to her because I didn't know she's Pentecostal or, you know, she doesn't understand laying on the hand. She's going to freak out, think I might do something unpopular or not right. So I said, okay, come up here. Now, she's five feet from me. So I'm going to walk over and lay hands on your head. The power will go through you, and it'll start correcting all those things. So I took a step, and the Lord said, hold up. Hmm, so you want to be a faith man. Here we go. He said, tell her one of the angels will work with you in healing ministry are going to handle it personally. 
I said, well, lady, the Lord loves you because he gave me the vision about you, and you validated that it was accurate. Lift up your hands. The angel's going to minister to you. She lifted her hands up like this, started back, and God is my witness, and I think the Parkers were there that night, and Keith and Cynthia and Ken. She went back to where her head was almost down at her rear end. I don't see how her spine took that kind of bending. We all looked in awe at what this angel was doing. He brought her back up slowly, then he turned her farther than I'm going to go. I don't want to have to go to the chiropractor. <laughs> and then at the end, he picked her up like a ballerina on her feet and her toes and set her back down. And she, that took about a minute and a half, and she was totally healed. The reason I said that she wasn't a gymnast, you know, those Chinese girls who wrap their head around their leg three times and go, <laughs> but she wasn't wrapping nothing around nothing. I mean, she was kind of a, a you know, full-figured girl, whatever. <laughs> Better watch what I say here. Oh, my goodness. How about one more story? You know, I enjoy telling stories. Diana, she's on this uh, Tell Your Story. She's been talking to me, and I didn't cut you off on that at home either. Not all of them. <laughs> no, but when I look over and your eyes are closed, I know you're not. Oh, I don't do that to you. <laughs> you get up and re- renounce that. That's not right. <laughs> Excuse us a minute. We'll be right back. <laughs> Just occasionally you doze off. Just occasionally I doze off, unless it's bedtime. Maybe in there snoring by the time you get to me and I didn't hear you, but anyway, we had a guy in our church named Larry. And I liked him. He's kind of a kind of a wild guy. He I said this one time. He's an ex-bodybuilder, an ex-drug addict, alcoholic like me, and she started laughing. Bodybuilder? <laughs> what did you build with your body? A two-liter? Now you got me going again on that. Come out of that, Michael. Come out. Come out. <laughs> but he was a huge man, if you remember him. And his arms were as big as my thighs and just about that taunt. I mean, he, he'd been stabbed and shot, and he was a bodybuilder at one time. And, uh, but he, he would leave the church, and then he'd be gone for a month or two and come back. You'd see him a couple of services, and he's gone for five months. He'd come back. Then he's gone for two years. And I was in a foreign country, and my wife was having dinner with her mother, he walked over to the table like this. He couldn't hardly walk. Larry, what happened to you, she said. He said, well, I'm driving a tractor-trailer truck with cars on it, and the one over the cab, I was up there to take it and back it down the ramp, opened the door and stepped back, but I missed the railing on the thing. It came straight down on asphalt, 15 feet, broke both ankles, every bone in both feet. I've been, had six surgeries. I've been in rehab for two years. I've taken some boots of hiney kicking medicine, none of this Tylenol 3 play with it. See, because I'm extra addict too, Tylenol 3. You could just give me lemonade. <laughs> Man. If you're going to take drugs, take the good ones. No, don't take drugs. <laughs> so anyway, he, so Diana wisely said, well, you know Michael meaning me. You know, she don't call me doctor around the house. She just says, take the trash out and <laughs> clean the pool. <laughs> I'm teasing you a little bit. She said, Michael's got an anointing for bones. Why don't you come back to church? 
He came back. He'd been back about six weeks. I got up here to preach one day. I looked at him. The Lord said, have him come up. I said, Larry, come on up. God's going to heal you. And he started up towards me, but he was just taking forever to get to me. You know, I mean, you know, when you're, he said, I, I got to wear a thing says I'm going to set the alarm off at school in the airports because I got so much metal, got screws and plates and stuff, kind of like Sonny. But I mean, his feet were just tore up bad and he was uh, probably 260 pounds, but he was all muscle. He got up here and I laid hands on him. He fell out and I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Lord said, tell your congregation one of the angels work with you is going to fix this, finish it. I said, well, let's just wait and see what happens here. All of a sudden, one leg came up. That angel twisted his ankle, pulled it like you would in a rehab setting, laid it back down, lifted the other leg up. You can't do that, you know, with your own ankle very easily. Turned it and, and laid it back down. He laid there another 30 seconds. When he got up, he walked back to his seat like this, as good as I walk. And he sure did. See, and the angels, they work with us. That's my, that was my whole point. Could tell a lot more stories, but I'm out of time. So I'd like you to stand up with me. And at least tonight, I'd like to pray for those that have problems with your bones.